0: you're well aware over the last uh, couple of weeks we've been doing a, a series on the Holy Spirit it continues on for a, the next couple of weeks I'm just loving again just uh, I guess revisiting the great truths of the Holy Spirit and I'll tell you something and, I, and I'm not exaggerating one little bit here if we could have uh, got somebody to come and speak on the Holy Spirit their experiences with the Holy Spirit some of the truths of the Holy Spirit if we could pick anybody in Australia uh, living today I don't think we would uh, be able to go beyond the guest speaker that we have today and that's Pastor Trevor Chandler. Uh, You you may not be aware, hold your applause, you you may not be aware but uh, Pastor Trevor uh, was very incredibly significant in bringing in uh, I guess a new revelation of the gift of the spirit to the Australian church and uh, I think it is something that is missed in Australian church history. Our uh, Pastor Trevor has been incredibly significant in that. Uh, you just about name a church movement in Australia, and it's been impacted greatly by the ministry of Pastor Trevor. And I don't know if he doesn't sort of blow uh, his own trumpet in that regard. But we're incredibly blessed here today to have Pastor Trevor come to speak to us on this topic. I just pray that we will have real open hearts and open ears to hear the incredible.
1: To come. Good to be here and uh, particularly having a part in this vital topic of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I have given my message a subtitle. title The major title, of course, is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. The subtitle is Doctrine and Experience. Not doctrine or experience, but doctrine and experience experience. It's not one, but it's both. You can have a doctrine and not have an experience. Sometimes, for some people, they start with an experience and then discover the doctrine. But the two must go together. Otherwise, we fall into a trap of being something. And this may be a new word to some of you, but we fall into the trap of becoming doctrinaire. I think we've got that in this, on the screen. And the Macquarie Dictionary gives us this definition. Doctrinaire, someone who tries to apply some doctrinal theory without a sufficient regard to practical considerations. An impractical theorist theoretical and impractical. And I believe that this is a danger that we can face when we come at this marvelous revelation of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. We kind of tick it off as another mark on our spiritual CV. Oh yeah, that was there, I, I got it. But it's not producing anything or very little in our practical Christian lives. There was a moment of thrill and excitement and blessing. And most people find they're given a new language, they've never learned, and they speak in tongues. But it's a very little benefit after that, just an experience that they had. And this is what I want to address today. Now, it is true that you cannot build a doctrine on an experience. But an experience must always have a doctrine to base it. And that's very important. But if your doctrine is never followed by an experience, then you don't really have anything of value. It's got to produce something or it's dead. The Bible says the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, I'm sure you know that the word doctrine simply means teaching. And there are many references in Scripture about holding fast to our sound doctrine or teaching because that's the foundation. But experience is what we build on the foundation. Not much good just having a foundation for a house if you never put the superstructure on it. And our doctrine is like that foundation, but we have to build upon the foundation. In the King James Bible, it uses the word doctrine 45 times. But in the more modern translations, it's changed to teaching. And teaching is defined in the dictionary in this way. A particular moral or religious principle taught or advocated. A system of teaching relating to a particular subject. Now you get sound doctrine in this church and a lot of good teaching. But that alone is not Sufficient. In one of the parables that Jesus gave in Matthew 7, and from verse 24, he said this Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, and the winds blew against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, the only difference... In those two builders, was that one did what he heard? They came, they listened, and they, one put it into practice, and one did not. So you can come to every teaching session, you can be a very diligent student, but if you never put it into practice, you're still building on a sand foundation. Many Christians wonder why, when a time of testing comes, they stumble, they fall give up because they have never put the word of God into practice now this is a Pentecostal or charismatic church and the foundation of these churches goes back to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the 20th century when a group of Christians rediscovered the biblical promise of an empowering by the Holy Spirit that first happened of the day of Pentecost. And since that time, every group and denomination have entered into this marvellous experience. So today, there are millions of believers who have been baptised with the Holy Spirit as a separate, distinct experience following their acceptance of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Today in Australia, such people are the second largest group meeting regularly at Sunday services. I think your pastor Philip may have told you that at a recent Pentecostal ministers' fellowship, they heard that the government is now intending placing on the next census form a special place for Pentecostals to mark because they represent the second largest group after the Catholics only of all the Christian groups that are meeting regularly to worship the Lord. However, I have found by experience, and I believe it's true, that it's very easy to become doctrinaire. We have a doctrine, and we appreciate it, but it's really not doing much for us in daily living. I want to turn to a scripture that shows us what happened after the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit fell in that upper room and I'm turning to Acts chapter 2 reading a few verses from verse 42 these Christians had accepted the Lord they had been baptised in water Peter said the promise is to you and your children and all who are afar off we're a long way away from the day of Pentecost but the promise is for us And those people came together. Verse forty-two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and their goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to them, number daily, those who were being saved. What a wonderful result. They didn't sit around the upper room. They went out. They gathered together. They began to pray, to praise God. There was a spirit of generosity that came upon them. I don't believe that the scripture teaches that we've got to sell all our goods. I don't think they did. They sold their surplus goods. Otherwise, how could they meet from house to house? They still had their houses. But they had surplus. And nobody wanted to hold on to that they were willing to give to those who are in need. Now, I could spend my whole time this morning in proving to you from Scripture the truth that there is a baptism with the Holy Spirit that's a separate experience from salvation. Actually, I put this in poetic form. In a book I recently printed or published entitled God's Unfolding Plan... At the very end of that, I wrote a poem, beginning with John the Baptist, where he said, I baptise you with water, but the one coming after me, I'm not worthy to tie up his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I started there, and I went through all the scriptures where there was this experience of people separately being baptised with the Holy Spirit I went on into modern history to Azusa Street with the Holy Spirit fell I went on to my personal testimony and I wrote 98 verses all in poetic form and it's in the book now I had a terrible senior moment this morning I said to the people I have a few books here and you can have them for $12 I should have said 20 the poor bookshop said, we've been trying to sell those books for $20, and he's selling them for 12 Well, you've got a bargain, and I made a loss. I've still got a few at $20.
2: <laughs> so don't be miserable.
1: Now, I've also got a little pack of CDs. I personally recited all those poems onto four CDs. So if you find reading hard and like to put something on in your car, you can buy a set of those at the same price. Not quite $20. $20. So I sent something to my son. He travels and doesn't have a lot of time to read. He's in New Zealand. He phoned me not long ago and said, Dad, I've been travelling and I played the first CD. That is wonderful. I learned so much, I'm going to play it again on my way home. That's a pretty good recommendation. All right. I will have a few. I will be sitting here, nothing less than
2: $20.
1: Now we're reorganised. My senior moment, London, is gone. Now I had the great privilege of being born into a Christian home. That did not make me a Christian if a mouse is born in a biscuit tin, it doesn't become a biscuit. <laughs> and I did not become a Christian by being into our world, into a Christian home. But it gave me a great foundation. I was taken to church at the age of three, put in the nursery. I attended Sunday school and Bible class diligently. I'd even got a little star that they gave for attendance. First year, you got the star, and every other year, they put a tiny star on each point of the star. I've got a star with a star on every point. Hallelujah! I have got to be spiritual. <laughs> I became a Sunday teacher. I committed my life to Christ in a very definite way at the age of 15. I became a lay preacher. I served through all the ranks of the Boys Brigade. I was a deacon in three different Baptist churches and I was active in all areas of church life. I was even the chairman of the Youth Council of the Baptist Union of New Zealand and on the Finance Committee. So how did I make a bundle and sell my books for
2: $12?
1: (laughs) But you know, in spite of all that, there was a growing hunger in my heart I was looking for something I didn't know what but I was sure there was a a missing dimension my wife and I were walking through a large bookstore in the city of Wellington and I saw a book on display the title was A Reporter Finds God Through Divine Healing I said to my wife I'm going to buy that book she didn't say it then Later she told me that her thoughts were, don't tell me he's going to get mixed up with that stuff. But I bought the book. And it opened my heart to a new dimension of God's power, God's grace, and what he could do today. In the church I then attended, the Baptist Church, the pastor had moved on to another pastorate, and we didn't yet have a new pastor. But there was a chairman. He said to me, Trevor, would you preach on a such and such date?" And I said, yes. I believe in saying yes to opportunities. Not one of those super spiritual people, when you ask me to do something, I look piously at you and say, so I'll have to pray about that. <laughs> when Carl asked me to take a service today, I said to him, I'll check my diary. <laughs> And when there was a free night, I said, yes. I didn't have to go through a big spiritual rigmarole. I have learned that if God opens a door, I'll go into it. So I decided to speak on the controversial subject of the church and divine and healing. and I started to prepare. The more I prepared, the more confused I got. More questions in my mind. Why were some healed and others not healed? And I was almost at a point of changing my topic. But I stuck with it. That Sunday morning, I preached in the Baptist church. Church, divine healing. Then it caused a bit of a stir. (laughs) And then the chairman said to me, you know, why don't you take a series at our midweek service? They called it the prayer meeting, but there was teaching." He said he could take four Wednesday nights for us. So I said, walking at it, I still have the little book that I published with those four studies. And he used to have about 15 people paid for those biblical services. And the first one, there was 18 people. The next one, there was more. The third one, there was even more. And so I drove to the meeting on that fourth night, I remember this so vividly. I was in my car driving across a railway line, and the thought came to me: there will be 44 there tonight. I never had anything like that before. I drove to the church, and one of the men who was very supportive, was standing outside, he said, "Trevor, I don't know what's happened. There's not many here tonight." And without a moment's hesitation, I said. There'll be 44 here tonight. I could have bitten out my
2: tongue.
1: <laughs> I had put my foot in it. And people began to pour into the meeting. And I saw my friend at the back going,
2: <laughs> and then his
1: mouth flew open because there were 44 people there that night. That was kind of the first real supernatural experience I had. And there's some people in that area who were meeting together interdominationally heard that I preached on healing. And they were talking about it. So they invited my wife and I to come along. So we started meeting with them. And we talked about healing, and then we went on to other topics. And they had just two simple rules. You could say anything you liked, as long as you were sincere. But the Bible had the final say. If your opinion did not line up with the Bible... You didn't throw out the Bible, you threw out the, your opinion. And that's what we need to learn today. We went on to different subjects. And one night my wife said, could we study the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Why, she said, we still don't know. But there was a man there in our meeting that I did not know was a Pentecostal. And he said, well, I have a friend who has had a great experience. Could we invite him to come? Now, the next meeting was to be held in our home. We moved from house to house. And when he announced the name, I trembled. I knew that name. He was a Pentecostal pastor. And I had heard about those weird people. They rolled on the floor. They jumped over the seats. They swung from the rafters. Very athletic people. (laughs) And he was coming to my house. And that Friday night I was in fear and trembling, waiting for the arrival of this man, who I was sure would have a long tail and horns on his head. And he came in, but he looked normal. He sat down, we were gathered round. And he began to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit as a separate experience. And I was very defensive. In fact, I was a bit aggressive. He would say something and I would say, where do you find that? Well, he said, brother, if you turn to, with one eye on him, one eye on the Bible, I turned the pages. And blow it, it was there. (laughs) Then he said something else. And I said, where's that? Well, he said, brother, if you turn to, I'm turning the page. Watch his every move know it, it was there. And it was like that all night. And the meeting finished. People were leaving, I suppose it was getting pretty close to 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And my phone rang. And I picked it up. And it was the young Baptist minister with whom I was having fellowship talking about divine healing. He had just completed college and was in his first pastorate in the city of Wellington. And he said, I hope I haven't woken you up, got you out of bed. I said, no, we've had a meeting and the folks are just leaving. What do you want? He said, I want you to pray a prayer with me that we will both be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Now, if he had done that to me a few months before, I would have told him to get certified. don't phone me late at night to pray a prayer unless you're dying or something. Read me in the morning. But I was like, there's a man here who knows all about it. Would you come and see, me, see him with me? I turned to the visitor and said, this is my friend, the Baptist minister. Could we come and see you tomorrow? That was a Saturday. He said, certainly. So I said, he'll see us tomorrow. <laughs> Ah, the next day in fear and trembling I went out to see this man you see when someone talks about something you may not have received you get a kind of bit resistant, a bit fearful if there's something I need and I seek it and I don't find it then I'm the last person and that's of course not true but that's how we think naturally so we went out to this man I wondered what we would find. Well, he had a very simple home, very nice wife, couple ladies from the church were there, they were perfectly normal. That was a surprise. I said to him, you know, if there's something more that God has, I want it. I'm hungry for more of God, but I'm scared. He said, don't be scared. You know, the Bible says, if we ask something of God, Father, child asks something, and will they not give but the good parent, give it to them? If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I said, would you pray for me? I'm still shaking. And he said, well, just begin to praise the Lord. I didn't know how to praise the Lord. All I knew about praising the Lord was that our Sunday service each Sunday, the minister would stand and he would say, let us now praise God by singing him 425. Well, I didn't feel like singing him 425. And I didn't know any other way of praising God. He said, just begin to thank the Lord. Well, that was pretty hard. And a few stumbling words, I began to say, well, I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate all you've done and, I, boom, 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 boom. and then something started bubbling up inside of me. And I found myself bursting out in a language I've never heard or I've never learnt. And here I am. Boom, boom, boom. And my
2: Baptist minister friend is standing there with
1: his eyes bulging out. He's looking. And I'm sitting there. I thought that man had hooked me up to the electricity. <laughs> Now, every experience is different. So don't try to look for what God did for me to do for you. He has a custom-built experience for you and your personality and your temper. But I'm sitting there. Oh, I'm overwhelmed. The minister turned to my Baptist friend and said, May I pray for you? And my friend said, ah, ah, Well, I'm not as open as Trevor. I've just had four years of theological college. Can I go out and talk to him? So we left the house, walked up the street. I'm sure I was about meet her above the pavement. He was down there. After a few minutes, he said, this is real. Let's go back. And he was prayed for and received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, what did it do for me? Well, I went home that night, and I was so blessed. I walked into a house. My wife, Sylvia, took one look at me. I don't know what I said, but she said, I'm going to see that man. You're not going to be in one place in heaven and me in another. Not very good theology. But obviously there was something. Something had happened to that deadbeat husband of hers. power of God had come down. What did it do? Well, I told you what I had done. But now something began to work in my life. But the secret, I believe, was the hunger I had. You know, on that first Pentecostal day, Jesus said to them, go into the city of Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. John, baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. The King James Bible puts it in old-fashioned language. Jesus said, carry in the city of Jerusalem. And those early Pentecostals in Azusa Street at the turn of the 20th century took that literally. They gathered together for meetings and they began to tarry for the promise of the Father. And they prayed. And they came under conviction. And they tidied up their lives. And they confessed their sin. And they made business with God. And then on that 10th day, the Holy Spirit Now, tongues of fire, speaking in new tongues, spilled out onto the street. Power of God on Peter. He began to preach to that gathered hostile crowd, who said they are drunk. He said, no, we're not. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know, I think that's what we need today, a hunger. Now, we don't have to tarry for the Spirit, but the tarrying was a preparation. Sometimes I have refused to pray for people who wanted me to pray for them for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I have said, you're not ready. You are not ready. You don't have a hunger. But we usually say, well, anyone like to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, just come forward. One young guy is sitting back there, and he said, oh, well, if that's available, might as well have it. He wanders up with one hand in his pocket, standing there. What do you want? I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, get back to your place until you get some hunger. That's what I feel like saying, but I'm too polite to do that. But sometimes that's the problem. And because it's easy, we don't appreciate what the Lord is doing for us. Careless seekers. My friend, if you don't want the purpose of the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, don't seek the baptism with the Spirit. Because the purpose is you shall receive power and you shall become a witness to Christ.
0: So if you say, I don't want
1: that, then don't come for another tick on your spiritual CV. Don't say, oh, well, I better get that. It's like people who christen their children and they talk about them being done. Well, he's been done certainly has been done. And people treat the baptism with the Holy Spirit like that. Oh yeah, I had that. It was very good, I enjoyed it. And it is enjoyable. And it is a blessing. But it is for a purpose. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit radically changed my life and the life of my wife. Something powerful happened. Now it did not mean that we became better or even holier. Nor did it mean that life became easier. In fact, we faced challenge and opposition in regard to this experience, because
2: at that time, it was the year 1957, that doctrine,
1: that truth was not accepted in major churches. In fact, when this happened, I started sharing with people in my Baptist church. The chairman I used to drive him to work. I had to take my car to work and I had two or three friends who would get in the car with me and would drive them in, including this Pentecostal man who had suggested that man to come to our home. And I'm in the car this morning, the chairman of the church is there, the Pentecostal preacher's here, a couple of other men, and I'm excited about what the Holy Spirit has done. And the chairman of the church turned to me with a hostile look on his face and he said to me you've gone too far this time I don't want the other time to worry about it never mind this time I should have gone too far he said the devil's got hold of you and I said well he's doing a good job for Jesus and I don't think the devil does a good job for Jesus so we faced hostility we were rejected by people and it was not easy But as I've made clear in another sermon I preach in this church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just the beginning. Then we have to be filled and filled and filled again on a continuous basis. Every time we're faced with a challenge, we have to step back from our self-ability and invite the Holy Spirit to step up and be filled again. But the baptism is the start then we have to be on the alert to be constantly fearing. But what is the reality? What did it mean for me and for my wife? Number one, we did receive power to become a witness. We began talking to people about Jesus in a far greater way than we had ever done before. Before it was a bit of an embarrassment to talk about Jesus. I could talk about God and the church, the people in the church but talking about Jesus was a bit too personal but the Holy Spirit is an active force not a passive force someone says well I'm, I'm waiting for the electricity at my back there's a man here I could talk to but I'm not feeling the shakes yet I'm waiting for the shakes to come no you have to step in first but as we do then the Holy Spirit enables when Joshua led the Israelites out of the wilderness into the promised land, they had to cross the river Jordan, which was then in flood. And God said, Tell the priests carrying the ark to go and step into the waters. They had to step into the flood of Jordan before anything happened. But as they stepped in, the waters folded back made a pathway for it. That's true of how the Holy Spirit works. It's not because you have some feeling your fingers are tingling
2: or your spine is fluttering. No, it's because of the promise.
1: If you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you have received power to become a witness. Secondly, the Bible came alive to me in a new way. I'd always read the Bible because that was my spiritual responsibility. I don't think I too much took much in. It was there, but I did it because it was the right thing. But now, I wanted to read the Word. I was turning the pages, I was underlining, I was marking, I was writing notes at the side of my Bible. It was a new day. God's Word did come alive to me. It wasn't just that I had spoken in tongues. That was an exciting experience. But the Word of God... Came alive. Thirdly, prayer took on a new understanding. I had always prayed. I had done it in my bed. I had a sort of routine of prayer. I went to Keswick conventions. And they always had a session telling us how bad we were for not praying enough. God listened to this preacher, telling us we needed to be up every morning for an hour and pray. And I went home determined to do it, set the alarm and out earlier. Got out of bed, got down on my knees. Ten minutes later, I was half asleep. I kept it up for three weeks. Then feeling more condemned than ever, I gave up. But now I wanted to pray. Now I wanted to talk to the Lord. Now I wanted to seek his face. Something had happened. Thoughtfully I found a new freedom in boldness. I found I could talk to people, I could face his shoes. I could do things I didn't do before, would be afraid to do. Fifthly, I was open to new guidance and direction. There was an expectation. There was an excitement that the Holy Spirit was working actively in my life and in the world. And I could expect him to show me different things and not be afraid to step in. As I said, I didn't need to go and have to pray about every invitation. If I had the opportunity, I wanted to take it. Number six, that's what happened. New doors of opportunity opened for me. I began to be invited to preach in different places, despite the fact that after I was baptized by the Holy Spirit, the president of the Baptist unit had come to see me. He said to me, Trevor, give up this Holy Spirit business, or you will never preach again. Well, I think he was wrong. I've preached around the world since then. And I had a new bowl of new doors of opportunity come. And I look for those. Can I encourage you to do that? When something happens, say yes. And even if you think you can't do it, say yes. Because it may be a learning opportunity. And even if you will keep doing it, you've learned something. If you learn about hearing the voice of God and being obedient. Number seven, there came a release of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I never thought about words of wisdom, words of knowledge, praying for people for healing, or speaking in tongues as a devotional language, but I began to understand these in a new and powerful way. I began to realise that speaking in tongues is the purest form of prayer. Because when you speak in tongues... The Bible says your spirit prays, not your mind. When I pray through my mind, I can be very selfish. Like this prayer God bless me and my wife, our son and his wife, us four and no more. Amen. It's easy to get like that. But now I'm out
2: saying,
1: What am I doing? Holy Spirit is using me as an instrument through which he can pray. And the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. And he knows the plan of God. So I can be praying in the will of God. Very wonderful provision. And I able to pray for people, get words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophesy. Never imagined that could happen. Now they were not things I possessed but there were manifestations of the Holy Spirit now being allowed to work in me. Let me say, as my eighth point here, there has never been a way back in my desire for the things of God. I don't say that in a self-righteous way. I have never been a backslider, never wanted to be a backslider. There were times when we were deeply challenged. Never have I thought, giving up on my Christian faith because I kept alive that anointing of the Holy Spirit I put the baptism into operation I used it as every one of us must do so we really have a choice we can be doctrinaire theoretical and impractical I got that got that 10 years ago got that 5 years ago been through that or you can be somebody who's experiential. Our doctrine can become an experience, a life-changing experience. But it comes out of a deep desire
2: and hunger.
1: I don't want to ever lose a hunger for God. I want to keep a teachable spirit. Getting a bit old in years now. I said at the beginning of the last service, and I'm celebrating a special occasion. This is the oldest day of my life. i have given up worrying about birthdays because I'm not sure whether I'm at the next one. So every new day is the oldest day of my life. So if you want to send me a present every day, that's fine. But uh, if otherwise, you better read the books I've got. And I've got a few here today that you can have and read about the baptism and many other good things as well about the Bible. Did not get in number twelve you number three. <laughs> you know, I just long that there might be an increasing hunger, a desire for the things of God. Get out of our casualness. Oh, I don't know whether I can make it to church today. Got a lot on the plate. Listen, they met together. They loved being together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They shared with one another. There was a hunger. There was an expectation. When we lose our expectation, we have so little. I don't want to be doctrinaire. I don't want to be theoretical and impractical. I had a great experience, but that was just the beginning. I want to be a person who knows, day by day, the reality, the experience, the anointing, the equipping, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I'm not calling today people to be baptised by the Holy Spirit I'm calling for you who have been baptised with the Holy Spirit to turn what may have become heaven into reality an experience in everyday life and for those of you who have not been baptised with the Holy Spirit I tell you'll start hungry and perhaps someone will say you're not ready yet you might be a bit offended but he's probably doing you a service because if you want the best cost something. And the cost is a hunger after the things of God and the power of the Spirit. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for that wonderful gift that came first on the day of Pentecost, the fullness baptism with the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you've been gracious down through the centuries of baptizing men, women, young people with your Holy Spirit. I thank the people in this church who've had that marvellous experience. Forgive us, Lord, we've been grown cold. And treated what you have done as a tick on our spiritual CD. Help us, Lord, to be inspired again. To look for those opportunities day by day that you are opening for us. And we might be true witnesses to your love, to the Lord Jesus Christ, in this church, in this community in the city, and in the world. Stir our hearts, Lord. Give us a deep hunger. We want more of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you join me with a louder amen? You can do better than that. I heard about three. Come on, I'll count to three. I oh, want a good there. One, two, three. Oh, it's good
2: God. Bless you. Stir your hearts. Thank you.